Welcome to Your True Calling. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Dr. Michelle Chapel, a psychologist and a rock star. I've helped thousands of people find their true purpose by discovering their one-of-a-kind superpowers. Each week, I'll share tools and client success stories to help you find gifts you don't know you have so that you can thrive in a career that fills your soul and passion projects that make you feel whole. Hello, everyone. I am so happy to share an interview with you that I did with Buck O'Kelly, who started out as an environmental biologist but found his true calling as a custom furniture builder. He's quite successful. His pieces have been written up in magazines and he has a very interesting slant on the industry. 3BL Media chose one of his pieces, a goblet-based dining table, as their pick of the week, saying that it looks like old world furniture, but it's made in Oregon. We're going to talk about how Buck found his true profession and hints and clues for finding yours. Let's get into it. Thank you for welcoming me into your shop. When you told me that you build furniture, I knew I needed to talk to you about it. So I really appreciate you being here. Or actually me being here. This is your place. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I appreciate me being here too. uh, Yeah, I've been doing it for 44 years. Oh, good. You just answered one of my questions. That's amazing. Oh. No, that's okay. We yeah. can go out of order. Yeah, yeah. I can pivot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so on LinkedIn, I looked you up on LinkedIn. Oh, I haven't been on there in years. I knew that, but I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, And I knew you'd say that. Um, even though I don't know you, I kind of know you. Um, so you describe yourself as a custom furniture builder repairer there. Right. And you are the co-owner of Inventia Design with Suzanne Bonham. Yes. Okay, yes. and I incorrectly called it Inventia Design at first, but you corrected me. Yeah, it, it's a joke I make a lot when I'm trying to help people pronounce it. Inventia sounds like uh, dementia, only it's a condition where you can't stop inventing. So I love that, actually. It's also a mystical land, same thing, where everybody's inventing all the time. Did you guys come up with that name together? Yeah, I think I did, out of my strange mind. Yeah, that's why we're talking, because I like your strange mind. <laughs> I like yours, too. Oh, thank you. So, so now, if I'm understanding this right, Suzanne designs the furniture, and you build it? Yeah, Suzanne is... Uh, I do the easy part. I just build it. Suzanne does everything else, from uh, design, customer relations accounting, bookkeeping, and she does the finishing. Oh, okay. And how did you first get into it? I'm guessing I was about 28 at the time, and um, I had a lot of, or several other things for work, including being an environmental biologist, a classical guitar player, and I ran an avant-garde dance company. And uh, all of those things left me wanting to just be simple and point to something that I had actually made. You were only 28 and you had had all those other careers? Yeah. One of the reasons why I have this podcast is to help people find their their true calling in life. Right. And a lot of the listeners are younger. 
So they're in the middle of trying to figure out what their true vocation, what their right career is. It sounds like you wound your way through a few things before you found it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I went the academic path and it, it, at the end of it, I realized there was nothing in that field of, in biology that really interested me. I saw a grim future. <laughs> Stuck mm. in a lab in a white coat, counting things through a microscope, trying to influence the EPA to change mm. policy. And I realized, uh, I'll be doing this for 20 years before they even pay attention to it. And it turns out I was right almost to the month with mm. the spotted owl decision. It was the first time the word diversity had ever entered into a federal policy decision. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had moved on and gotten into furniture making. And I looked back and said, well... I nailed that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though you've shifted into furniture making, you still have those values, right? Exactly. It, I, I love the fact that you use locally sourced wood mm-hmm. to make your furniture. I read that in an article about you, and uh, you, a lot of times, or sometimes, you get it from people's properties where the wood needed to be cut anyway. Is that right? I do get that sometimes, but not directly. In other words, I'm not in the um, sawmill business or the logging business or the kiln drying business. That's a specialty, but I will um, use wood that's been reclaimed that way and then gone through the process uh, via other companies and professions that do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best thing I love about Alder, it's a Pacific Northwest wood. It's fast growing, it's noble, it's a great wood to finish. You know, I'll work with something from DRC or Ivory Coast, as long as I can see a reasonable uh, sustainability policy behind how it's harvested. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what kind of furniture you to create? We've uh, fallen into building things with more classic styling, and it just was happenstance. One of our first clients was an antique dealer in Selwood and said she needed some reproduction tables, you know, simple farm tables, French style farm tables. And we fell into that and just kept doing it, built it way from there. And it's like you've really carved out a niche for yourself too. It's very unique, right? One of the things that's really great about building something with classic styling with new ergonomics in mind, is a lot of the old antiques just don't fit us anymore. In general, we've gotten much bigger physically than the people were back then. It's just a fact. The ergonomics have changed. Sometimes a piece will really be beautiful, stunning, but it's not comfortable to sit at. Okay, dear listeners, I wanted to pause for a moment so that we could apply some of the wisdom that Buck just shared about his life to you. I think one of the most important things that you can understand about finding your right career is that it may very well not happen right away. You may find yourself meandering through a few different jobs before you find the one that really speaks to you. I did that too. I was a psychology professor for a while until I felt the call to sing and discovered my musical abilities. And then later, and started teaching workshops to help people find their true superpowers. 
So that's the second point I wanted to make. Notice that even though Buck is no longer an environmental biologist, he still has the same values around sustainability, around wanting to be careful about how he uses wood to build his furniture. He's still keeping that part of his training alive in his furniture building today. I still keep my teaching alive, even in this podcast now. We're having a teachable moment. So I just wanted you to think for a moment, what values do you have right now? What career are you in? Does it feel like it's a good fit? Does it feel like maybe part of it is a good fit? I loved teaching, I just didn't love being in academics. Buck is very interested in the environment, but he's no longer a biologist. So take a look at what you're doing now for work and ask yourself, is there any part of it that speaks to you? It could be a hint or clue for what your true calling is, even if it doesn't feel like it's a perfect fit. Buck also shared with us his secret to success, which is finding his own niche in building furniture. So for those of you who do know what your true vocation is and you're trying to get your footing in that world, you're still trying to carve out your own place, think about what makes you unique, what makes you different from everyone else something that comes naturally to you. What we're going to cover next is probably the biggest clue you can get for finding your superpowers. You ready? Let's go. When did you first realize that you were good at building furniture? Mm. Or that it attracted you, you should put it that way. When I was, I was a production manager at a dance company in San Francisco. I was helping run the place. Part of my duties were dance photography and PR and schlepping. I just, you know, paint the building, everything, all the little things. And so I decided uh, I really had to build a dark room. I can do black and white. I've done that since I was a kid with my dad in the basement. And so I did. Photography. Yeah, yeah. So I built a dark room there and... I really enjoyed building that. It, there was just this sense, I can do this. I'm, I've never done it before, but I know I can do it. I can build a sink and it won't leak. And I don't know how, but I'm going to, and I did. Um, that goes back to my childhood. Tell me, yeah, please tell me. Me and dad in the basement, a little boy. Dad was an electrical engineer, ex-Naval Academy. And I was watching him use his tools and he would show me and just uh, really, fundamental things like the smell of the drill when it was turned on it was spewing out ozone and it has a unique smell old school and the sound of his hands creaking when he was gripping a screwdriver and his breathing and that was always residing and then I kind of fell back into that feeling a lot of us actually do know what our gifts are, but we suppress them because they're not accepted by other people, maybe our parents, maybe schools, maybe mm-hmm. the culture. Sometimes I talk to people who knew what they were good at early on. Sometimes I talk to people who don't know what that thing is until much later in life. Where would you put yourself on that? 
kind of range? Tough question. Great question. I think when I was doing the biology thing, it was mostly as an undergraduate. And um, my uh, mentor, my advisor, gave me a lot of encouragement and got me grant money. And I ran a study and supervised people and I had this vision. He just really encouraged me uh, to go for it. And I realized that I was really good at focusing on details, being meticulous and, and being accurate. And you use um, all of that in your building, sounds like. Yeah, I think I do have the same approach. My process is so fine-grained in, in the preparation stage compared to a lot of people that just kind of follow one step with another as they go along and then it comes out how it is. Mm-hmm. Mine is it's all built in my mind and, and it's all on paper and I can follow it and I can go back years later and reproduce it. It's all about getting it right the first time, every time. And it's always been that way. Well, I was going to ask you how it feels to actually be building something and if you ever feel like you get into a flow state. And then I had written that question before you texted me the answer to that question, which I have here somewhere. Where is it? Um, Here we go. My thought stream is pushed aside by an unsolicited fascination with what my hands are doing, a complete immersion in the task at hand. That is a beautiful description of being in flow. Yeah. And I um, can't chase it. I can't uh, cultivate it. It, it, It's kind of like, it just sneaks up on me. It's just like, all of a sudden I notice it and, and it's almost fragile. Don't notice it too hard or it'll flit away. Yes. Because then I'll be in my head again. Yes, and what I wanted to let you know <laughs> and the listeners know is that is one of the big clues to knowing what your superpower is or a unique gift is, is it puts you into a flow state. So furniture making would not put me into a flow state, but singing does. Right. Um, writing these questions for you ahead of time did because it's natural to me. That's what comes naturally to me. I kind of came into the world with that. And it sounds like even the way you describe being with your father, you're describing the sounds, the smells. That's like being in the moment. Yeah. And that, so I just wanted to say to everyone who's listening, that's a big, big clue. And you also said something about move your head into your body. Right. I spend a lot of time on my head. Sometimes I, I feel diagnosable, uh, <laughs> irredeemably so, and would somebody just take me away? Because uh-huh. it's running constantly. The breathing is, is great. Doing simple things with the body completely um, kind of breaks that up like I'm going to give myself 10 squats use it like a kettlebell just just for the hell of it and that you know maybe 10 seconds mm-hmm. that little bubble of just pure physical effort just for the sake of it is enough to break the spell of the addiction to thought I went tango dancing Saturday night and it's been a long time since I've done partner dancing and my tango partner actually is a meditator as am I 
we were dancing around. I didn't quite know what I was doing, but I'm, I started to realize what it felt like to follow the lead, not be the lead. Follow mm-hmm. the very, very subtle cues that were coming at me. Mm. And the more I fell into that, the more I was in my body. And the more I was in my body, the more I was in the moment. And when I got into the moment, I danced well. And I looked up at him and I said, oh my God, this puts me in the moment, just like meditation. And so I get the body. I, I don't think everybody's superpowers are body oriented, but the ones that are, it makes the thought stream stop. Right. Yeah. It's the definition of meditation is being fully present. That's all. Right. And one of the things that I've noticed working with people over the years is that when they use a gift that's very unique to them that they came into the world with, they are in the moment. It's like a meditation for them. It's with- a litmus test of your vocation. Your purpose is um, what effect does it have on you in that way mm-hmm. when you're doing it? And it doesn't have to be a specific thing. The fundamental aspect of that thing is what your thing is. It could be... You could be flipping burgers or writing grant proposals, but there might be one commonality. There's a certain type of feeling. As long as those things give rise to that feeling enough, Mm -hmm. nothing will all the time. But what I get out of this, I would not give up for anything. It work heals when it's the right work for you. I agree. I have worked for high-tech companies. I test out products and websites on customers. Mm. I love interviewing people. I love finding out who they are, what they like, what makes them tick. And I'm realizing that it's the same thing I'm doing now. That part translates over. So it had enough of the quality of, that you're talking about for me to enable me to do well in that field but I would not say that that field was everything that I was meant to do. It was not my true calling, but I was at least able to use part of that natural ability. The real kernel is the thing that you can, is portable. And I, I use the interviewing also in, the, in my coaching because mm-hmm. I'm a good listener and I can hear what people say. So it's the same thing. That one, that feels like a calling because then I can actually help people afterwards which is part of it because that makes that fills my heart with joy it's really nice when you can take those pieces and really put something together that Mm -hmm. where it all where it's all working for you but it's okay to experiment right it sounds to me like you experimented with your life to kind of hone in on it Right. right yeah it wasn't really I didn't direct it as such as an experiment but it just that's kind of I just had a meandering path Having a tangible result of your effort, uh, a tangible result of your creative acts is really important, at least to me. Mm-hmm. And what tangible looks like can be different, all different kinds of ways. For me, tangible is there's a table sitting there. It's an, a thing, something you can point at and find joy in it. I enjoy it. I, I just wanted to share my own experience just to give listeners more templates for this because I think the more different examples they hear, the better it, it, it helps them to find their own because no one size fits all. But um, I noticed that one of my tangibles is a song. Mm-hmm. I write a song, then I can sing it, 
in front of people, but I can also record it and then I have it. I have an MP3 of that song. Or I work with somebody and they do find their right career or they do find a gift that they didn't mm. have before. And you know what their faces look like? Pure joy. Right. So I noticed that um, you and I like to uh, read a lot of the same people. Oh. You, you sent me a whole shit long list of people, so I just shortened it. It just kind of tumbled out I know, of my and brain. I'm like, I yeah, have to shorten it. I'm sure that's not everybody, but that's probably enough. But I, I, mm. I saw some that we definitely had in common, and I could shorten it up a little bit. So Eckhart Tolle, who mm-hmm. wrote The Power of Now, mm-hmm. Ram Das, who wrote Be Here Now, um, James Hillman, who's a Jungian uh, analyst and writes a lot about the shadow, and Alan Watts, who, my God, I mean, one of my favorite Alan Watts quotes is people don't dance to get to the other side of the room it's about <laughs> dancing it was like being in the moment how do these various people influence your life or your work or both I was about to roll out an Alan Watts quote before you got to that list and it, it, and it was really it's a really a simple one and I don't think it's verbatim but it basically says if you treat work as play there is no such thing as work Hmm. if you decide that it's play if you bring that feeling into whatever it is you're doing um, a drudge can become incredibly energizing it's just a matter of remember I'm just playing I'm just playing I am so glad that you said that because you are reminding me of back in the day when I was a psychology professor and I had to teach the same stuff over and over again and I decided to be super playful with it just have fun with it like really really have fun with it and the students noticed it they started having fun with it and they did better on the tests (laughs) they did better on national tests just because we were playing with ideas rather than taking it super seriously so I (laughs) I'm so glad you brought that up because I hadn't thought about that in years. It, play, playfulness is it's, it's at your fingertips. It's closer than you think, the ability to, to go there. It's always an option. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. All right, I'm going to ask you one more question. So, again, a lot of these people who are listening today are trying to find their gifts. They're trying to find their true calling. You knew that you loved woodworking early on. And you found yourself in a career woodworking, not right away, but eventually. Do you Mm -hmm. have any kind of hints or clues that you can give others who are trying to find what their superpowers are or their true calling is from your own experience? Any, Any thoughts? Yeah, if you have any clue about what might light you up, if if you're fortunately fortunate enough to have a clue, some don't have it yet and that means just keep swimming along you will get a clue eventually once you get a clue gee I wonder what that would be like make a conscious dedicated effort to get with people who are doing it hang out with them be a pain in the ass if you have to get yourself hired however you can that's how I started I bugged an Italian cabinet maker in San Francisco so much that he eventually said, Buck, I'm going to hire you so I don't have to talk to you so often. <laughs> and that's what happened. And that was 
the beginning. He was one of the best still that I've ever seen in my life. Buck O'Kelly shared such wisdom with us today, and you have to see the furniture that he produces. It's really beautiful. I'm including a couple of links in the show notes. Buck saying that your right career heals is, is one of the most beautiful ways of putting it I've ever heard. I also really appreciate how Buck talked about abilities being portable. What's portable are your superpowers. He found his true vocation as a furniture builder by taking his ability to be precise from his biology training and combining that with his woodworking superpowers. That's how it works. You find your gifts and put them together in a natural way that fits who you are and your true calling finds you. And I love his advice that if you feel like you have an inkling of something that you would love to do, something that you're curious about, take action on it. Get a mentor, take a class, get hired for doing it and learn more. Thank you so much, Buck, for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you for listening to Your True Calling. Please leave a review and share it with your friends. From my website, yourtruecalling.org, you can follow me on social media, learn more about my music and my coaching, contact me to find your superpowers live on the air, and help me produce future episodes by funding me on Patreon.